back in the hallway, you'll see a bright, shining door that you'll want to go through. If this is as much work as you wish to do for today, leave the castle. If not, continue. You are always praying for guidance, even when you are not consciously aware of it. And you are always receiving guidance, even now, though you may not hear or realize it. In this room, you'll take a seat across from your soul once again and open yourself to its voice and presence within you. This room is located with the rooms on humiliation because divine guidance has several roots into your soul, your intuitive system, that's your survival, gut intuitions, and organic or physical symptoms such as lower back pain, anxiety, ulcers, depression, sleep disorders, and various other chronic conditions that tell you something is wrong. It also includes dreams and auditory and visual guidance. In short, guidance always finds its way to you. The question is, why do you ignore it? No matter how many ways you answer that question, the basic truth is that you fear that it will, be ultimate, that it will ultimately lead to ruin and humiliation. Acknowledging guidance means acknowledging the presence of God, spirit, universe, whatever you want to call it. And it means acknowledging the reality of your interior world. Acknowledging the divine means that you have to act when you receive guidance. And action means change. Change means loss of control. And loss of control can lead to humiliation. Yet you cannot avoid the fact that as long as you are breathing, you are receiving guidance. Do not assume that divine guidance flows only when you're in need of help. Guidance continues to flow whether or not you have problems. It transcends problems, heartbreaks and traumas flowing through dreams and, illum and illuminations. This strikes many people as an entirely new concept about their relationship to God, Spirit. Whether guidance comes during times of tranquility or trauma, however, it is up to you to have the courage to acknowledge it, to learn the systems through which it reaches you, and to recognize when a physical stress or symptom is, in fact, caused by repressed or misinterpreted intuitive guidance, or simply by indigestion or nervousness about some aspect of your daily life. You are the only one who can clearly discern these signals, which you do in this way. Review your prayers and your requests for guidance. Do not pray casually, as they do, as they do not fall upon deaf ears. And do not presume that your prayers or requests are not answered, because they are. But it's up to you to receive and listen. Practice silence and contemplation as a means of continually attuning to the one clear voice of the divine that is present within you. 2. Take time every day to review and interpret your intuitive information. What signs are you receiving? What intuitive information do you need to process or interpret? 3. 
Review your biological feedback. Do you feel stress around your stomach, your lower back? Is depression or sleeplessness increasing? What life stresses are going on simultaneously and what guidance have you been asking to receive? 4. Presume that you have received the answers to your prayer. If you cannot clearly discern it, it is because you do not want to. And so the next step is for you to acknowledge what guidance you least want to hear right now. Once you acknowledge guidance, you will always be shown pathways through whatever difficulties arise. You are never abandoned in the midst of a prayer. These exercises open you gradually to the manner in which your intuition channels work. But more important, they slowly bring you around to realizing that you knew your intuitive channels worked all the time. With prayer and practice in this room, your capacity to look directly into the light will grow. And with it, you will gradually develop the stamina to act on the guidance you receive, confronting whatever fears surface along the way. You never free yourself completely from the fear of humiliation. And yet there comes a day, a moment, a point at which you will feel the power of your inner voice speaking to you with a commanding authority. This is its own mystical experience. Because for the first time in your life, you will know beyond a shadow of doubt that your soul's authority blends with God's instructions. It may occur over something very small or during a major crossroad in your life. But in that instance, a sense of knowingness will give you a direction that you will recognize as non-negotiable. From that moment on, you know what it is to hear that, to hear that guidance. That doesn't, by the way, settle the challenge of whatever you will follow, this voice. It only increases the pressure. So becoming congruent means identifying your contradictions and then consciously working to bring your mind, heart, body and soul into harmony. Becoming congruent is essential groundwork for developing a soul with stamina. Through the exercises in the previous rooms, you have begun the excavation of your deep and vast interior self, discovering the challenges of conscious, the need to control others, others instead of being supportive of them, negative power plays, consciously choosing to harm others, maintaining an addiction, or ignoring guidance while continuing to pray for guidance. So these exercises may strike you as extreme, but think of this. They are clues leading to the reasons why you have habits and patterns of incongruent behavior that interfere with your capacity to love and be loved unconditionally. So now I want you to name your contradictions. This room isn't about mastering or defeating them, just naming them. It is also about charting a course of action that brings harmony to your soul. Be compassionate with yourself. Let your soul empty itself. That is the task in this room. Empty yourself. Cleanse yourself. You may not finish this task in one visit. Just begin it and then return to this room at another time. But begin. 
and note in your journal how difficult it is to live a congruent life, to resolve your internal and external contradictions, to move past your regrets and onto consciously building up your soul. Your task is to make your castle a spiritual reality, an inner sanctum of grace in which the sacred comes to meet you when you pray. Your task, actually simply put, is to let your soul come into its highest potential. So work with your contradictions in this way. Identify three or four contradictions among your thoughts, attitudes and behaviours. Select one to work on. Contemplate how you contradict yourself and when and how you justify your thoughts or actions. Observe yourself in your daily life. When you're tempted to act against your deeper nature, do you consciously stop yourself? Recognize the roots of your actions and replace them with positive ones. Give up the license to act in negative ways that hurt and blame. Work on each contradiction one at a time. So for example, if a woman had been in therapy for years because she felt that she had been betrayed by friends and family time and again, then she saw that she was also a betrayer and had broken her word constantly to friends by, ba- by breaking confidences. She contemplated the history of that pattern, recalling the many instances in which she had betrayed others, noting how she had justified her actions according to her own hurt feelings. Then she took, in, took this into the field, observing herself in her daily life, noting when she felt tempted to act in the betrayer mode, to pass on gossip, for example, and instead she would hold a confidence. For her, this marked an achievement in becoming congruent. She had always seen herself as a loyal friend, but realized that she had acted differently than she believed. This discovery can be life-changing. Endurance here is your goal. Health is your goal. Ease has nothing to do with it. This is not an easy exercise to do. But look for the contradictions in your life. And journal on them.